Great, uh, he's a great singer, isn't he? I love him. Today's scripture is again from Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll finish this series up today uh, talking about um, being in worship and let us not forget to do it in the way we do it, okay? Um, It goes like this. Therefore, my friends, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and now having a high priest over the house of God. The Hebrew writer is talking to that early church, that early um, Jewish um, Gentile church, and she's saying to them that we can come into the presence of God, unlike before, unlike before um, Christ tore that curtain down, um, and if you always remember, it's from the top down, not from the bottom up. The top down is really important because he's the terror of it uh, and, and opens up that holy of holies so that we can go into the presence of God anytime we want to. That's her whole emphasis here to, to explain to um, the Hebrew people back then that were changing from the law to grace and for us today who are changing from the law to grace um, because of the blood of Christ too. Um, that we can, uh, we have this privilege of coming into something that's much more powerful than we could ever imagine before. And then she says four things. She says actually three things, but I've made it four. She says four things about um, um, if we are going to talk about this today about engaging God, engaging God. And 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 then verse twenty-two, she says, engaging God when we worship Him. When we come to God to worship him, there should, we should have a heart check every time we come. We should walk through those doors not saying, okay, God, give me something. We should walk through those doors every day saying, God, let me tell you thanks today somehow for what you've done in my life. It's verse 22. But let us, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we need to check our hearts and make sure that they're right all the time, all the time, that they're in Christ and and him because of what he's done. Secondly, in verse 23, she says, when we're engaging God, it happens because we prepare um, ourselves to worship him, to be his disciples and to share. Now, the first one was to look at our hearts ourselves, and then the second one is to be able to use what we've got because of our relationship with God to share with somebody else, okay? Uh, and the question should be, should, are we ready to share our heart with anybody? Look at verse 23. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And then thirdly, she talks about engaging God um, in worship causes, when we engage God, it causes us to be caring for one another. And, and the reality of it is, friends, if we don't care for each other in this room, it's hard to care for people outside of this room. And we need to learn to do that. And, and it's in verse 24, she says, And let us consider how, um, let us consider one another in order to stir us up to love and good works. And then uh, I should have separated that one too, Fred. I'm sorry. Um, Engaging God also um, in worship reminds us that there's a day coming. And I put this in. And let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, 
as is in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, uh, and so much the more as the day approaches. My friends, this is the word of God today for all of God's people. Praise God. So the question then poses, if we have these four things that this Hebrew writer is trying to tell us that we need to do to engage God uh, through worship, then um, uh, how do we do that? How do we engage God in our worship time? And um, um, when we're done with this day today, uh, I was just thinking, (laughs) my mind goes off. when, when we're done with this time today, you guys remember this day, okay? And don't forget it, and you'll see why in a moment. Um, here we are. It's the last uh, Sunday of August, right? Remember this day, because I'm going to be real quick this morning. I, have, I just have, have these things on my heart. How do we engage God in worship? Well... Um, if you want to know it, and, and if you haven't grabbed a hold of it, um, literally, friends, I'm going to give you the four things that we do every Sunday. Every Sunday that we're together, that I have done for the past 41 years, I have tried to accomplish this in Sundays. A lot of times I, I, I go out of the sanctuary or out of the presence of God and I'm by myself and I say, okay, God, I messed that up really bad. I'm sorry. You know, but then he looks at me all one time he looked at me and I had a vocal voice say to me, no, it wasn't your fault. I'm in control of it. I did what I wanted to do. I said, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to think that I had control over that. I don't. Amen. We don't have control over this. If we come in without a selfish bone in our body, we're asking God to let us worship him somehow, some way. So I'm going to share with you. Four things that I think if you will sit back and look in the three years that I've been here, that this is what I've been trying to do every Sunday. All right? You ready? The first one, uh, the way that we engage God the most is, is because we're a people of um, his word, of scripture. Scripture uh, uh, is the focal point. Uh, every song that I pick, uh, that Jackie helps me do, Evolves around the, the scripture. It's just not a song out there. It's just not ancient words wasn't just a song chosen today. You see what I mean? Uh, ancient words was, it was put out there because it's what we're talking about in, our, in our, every worship service. So if you look at the songs that we're singing and then look at the scripture, you'll notice that they go together. You'll look at the, if you look at the words of the songs, they go together very, very prominent. They're, it's not by mistake. It's because that's what we set up to do. Because you, you know and I know that God's word is a lamp unto our feet, a, a light unto our path. Amen? And that's what should guide us and guide our worshiping of him. Um, everything, the songs, the, the liturgy that we read today, all of it need to be, um, I think, saturated in Scripture. Now, as your pastor, I hope you know this, but I'm going to say it to you without a thought. Um, and and uh, I don't, uh, no apology and no, no embarrassment about it, but I trust this book. I put all my faith in this book. As a matter of fact, the first thing that I ever read in my life was this book. I didn't read in high school. I never picked up anything. I didn't read nothing. Do you get me? I didn't read nothing. They sent me to prison. You know what Philistine gave me? A Bible. 
She gave me a Bible. She said, here, read this. I didn't know she was going to make me marry her then. <laughs> but this is the first book I read. I read it twice while I was incarcerated. And um, didn't understand a lot of it. Still don't understand a lot of it. But I believe it, trust it, put my life in it, put my eternity in this book. In this book. If you want to write your scriptures down, it's um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Let me read it to you. It says this, all scripture... What we have in our hands today is given and been inspired by God. And it's profitable. This is where we get our doctrine. It's where we get our reproof. It's where we get our correction. It's where we get our instruction for righteousness. And the reason we get that, if you listen to it in verse 17, the reason we get that is so that we, as God's people, can be completely made whole, thoroughly equipped... I'm lacking yet, but I'm growing. Thoroughly equipped for every good work that God would have us do. In other words, this is the book that guides our life. That I believe every word in it. Trust every word in it. Doesn't mean I understand it. No. But I believe it. Today, today our problem is... I, want, I, won't, I don't want to be judgmental. Don't hear me saying that. But today our problem is, is there's a low opinion of this book. Now I want you to take that low opinion of this book and think about the Quran. Do you know why nobody ever says anything about the Quran? Because the moment they do, they disappear. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we went to Cuba, the first thing that our interpreter said to us, whatever you do down here, don't talk about the government. Because you can talk about the government, but then when you leave, the person you're talking about it with disappears. Puts them in danger. So we made sure we never talked politics. Even when we were by ourselves and there was nobody around, there was always somebody listening. You talk about the Quran, and we know that. There's people today that have, have a, a, um, a worn out on their head by the, by the people who trust the Quran and have put a high price on his head and have already killed other people that we know. Today we, in America, and especially in the United Methodist Church, oh gosh, I can't believe I said that, but um, we have a low opinion of this book. A low opinion of it. And I'm going to tell you as your pastor, I'm totally opposite. I have a high opinion of this book. I don't care where I open it up to and where I start reading, I believe and trust it. For my eternal salvation. And the difference of it is, I think, is in the simple truth of how big do we think our God is. Amen? Are you with me on that? It's how big we think our God is. If our God is not very powerful, if he can't write across the skies and and the moon and the stars come out, then we have a low opinion of God. Amen? If I believe that God can do that crazy stuff, and in this crazy universe put this little tiny planet down there that holds human beings, I believe God can do that. And I trust God can do that. And I trust, listen, I, I want, before I move on, I want you to know I trust this book. It doesn't mean I understand everything. I don't understand a lot. And sometimes when I read it, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, ooh, but I trust it, okay? Have a high opinion of it. 
and I lead my life in it. And if somebody sees I'm doing something wrong and they can prove it in here, I'm going to change immediately. Amen? Praise God. There's a second thing that we do here. Scripture should guide everything. Scripture's an umbrella over everything that we do here. Okay? And then there's a second thing that causes us to worship God, I think, in a special way and really helps us to engage him. And it's because of the tradition that we have here. I don't know if you folks know it or not, but you have a reputation in East Ohio Conference of this, um, well, it was 1,002 churches. I don't know how many it is now, but it's probably down to eight or 900 churches. Do you know, Sue, how many churches? I don't either. I haven't looked lately. But I know because of all the churches changing and, and, and closing up, it's probably down to maybe 900 churches. You are known as an evangelical church. I don't know if you know that. You are known that. When they told me that I wanted to come over here, I called my friends up and I said, what do you know about LaGrange? Oh, you'll like it there. You know what that means? You're evangelical. Because I am evangelical, so we'll like it. We'll meet up together and we'll do good things together. So you have that reputation and that tradition is powerful for us to come and worship God. People who, who don't know us, um, and are energized by what we're doing, I hope, and, and wonder why we're doing it. The reason we're doing it is because of our tradition, because we believe in Jesus Christ, because he's the one that guides our and directs us on everything that we do. Not only in this conference, but in this, in this um, whole United Methodist issue, you know. Uh, uh, the United Methodist Church at one time was seen as an evangelical church, as a Christ-centered church. I think we've lost that in the last few years, but, but um, the church as a whole has made it, especially in Ohio. If you haven't read the history of Methodism in Ohio, you should read it. You should read it. Uh, Otter, uh, bishop Otterbein was the first uh, bishop to get beat up. You know why he got beat up? Because he enrolled a girl into the college. And they beat him up and almost killed him. But he was going to die for that tradition that God said, um, it's, it's perfect. It's sort, of, it's sort of like this, and I think I've said this to you before. If Jerry is here, he would hold up his fingers and say, we've heard that four times. <laughs> but it's, it's sort of like the tradition I'm talking about is when you go into a um, VFW. Has anybody been into a VFW? You know, you go into a VFW, they're smoking and cussing and and you smell spaghetti sauce, and, and, and there's somebody screaming about the pool table, and, you know, there's all... I expect that. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't expect anything different than that. If I went in and I heard them, the jukebox playing Amazing Grace and, and everybody sitting around have their Bibles open at the VFW, I'd be a little bit ticked off. You know what I mean? Because I didn't go in there for that. I went in there to get a couple of suds. Right? And to sit with somebody and hear them talk about the problems of the world and how they're going to solve it. When we come here, when people open those doors back there, I hope they come in here to expect to, to see this cross back here. You know what I mean? To see the cross, to hear people talking to each other and caring for each other. That's our tradition. That's our tradition. That's what we're wrapped around in because of the scripture that we live under. Amen? And <laughs> sort of like me teasing Adele. You know, last, well, last week she brought naked ladies. This week she brought carnations. I'm concerned. 
you know. But Archie, I'm so glad you bring them and let me tease you. Thank you. Uh, out of love, and it's all because we love each other and care for each other. That's our tradition. That's what brings us together. And then it's um, the third thing that is under this, uh, the second thing under the umbrella, but the third thing together is um, reason. And I always use Isaiah chapter 1. It's another one of those let us verses. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, Come now, let us, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. We need to come together and reason things out. We're going to do that on the 18th. You know, We're going to ask the hard questions. And we should be able to ask the hard questions and not be offended uh, or offend anybody. We are, are, I hope, we're way past that. That anybody can say, uh, ask any question they want. I, I, went to, I went to United Seminary for that very reason. Because of, of their theology, um, um, the, way they, the way they framed it and the way they taught their classes. I, I was uh, accepted at Asbury and, and United. And I chose United over Asbury where I would have been extremely happy. And I would have grown like crazy there in my faith. But we, we Phyllis and I, as we prayed about this, we ended up at, at United because you know what United said to me? They said, whatever you believe, you have to prove it. And that's reason. That's reason. We, we, we sat down uh, and, 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 um, and we had some rough conversations. I had two classes that I had to take over again because of my reasoning. It was terrible. And Phyllis finally looked at me at the end of the, the, our last term. I was getting ready to go down for our last term, our last class, uh, four classes. And she said, whatever you do, just get down there and shut up. <laughs> Let's get out of here. And so we did that. And, and um, I took four of the hardest classes in my last term. And every thought, every, all my friends thought I was nuts. I said, I didn't come here to skate through. I came here to grow in Christ. And I took the book, Jeremiah. And the professor was just fantastic. And he had us reasoning. Let us come together and share our hearts with each other, Isaiah says. Let us come together and talk about the things that are going on. And I hope that you've seen that reasoning in our time together. And then lastly, um, uh, um, you know, um, forget about what I said a while ago. You don't have to remember this Sunday. I thought this was going to be a real quick message, but it's not. Lastly, uh, and uh, one of the most important things that causes us to worship God, to engage him, is because of our experience. Our experience. You folks know it better than I do, uh, of your experience of worship here. You know what I mean? I, I envy, Phyllis and I envy you folks because you have such a great tradition of being right here for years, decades, your whole life. And your experience here has seen many, many different ways of worshiping God. But I want to tell you, I, th- I, I want to thank you for your little amens every once in a while. Because, uh, you know, everybody wants to know where this charismatic movement started from. And I don't know if you know it or not, but the charismatic movement started in the Methodist church. Does anybody know what the old Methodists were called? Nobody? Shouting. 
Shouting Methodists, they were called. Because they were always screaming. You guys remember up at uh, Lakeside that uh, when we go up there and there's in that big hall and there was this one young black lady. And I just loved her dearly because she would scream out, Amen, everyone. Uh, Sue, you know what I mean? And she was just the sweetheart of the lady. And she'd say, Amen, <laughs> real loud. And you could tell it was her all the time. And, uh, and then she'd say, Preach it, brother. You know, and, 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 and we have lost that that um, um, shouting Methodist syndrome that we think, I guess what it has come down to, we think worship has to be boring, and i got to sit there and say, okay, yeah, let's go. What time is it? Oh, golly, let's, let's get this over with, you know? We've lost that, and I think we need to grab that back because we need that experience where we give God our every praise for everything that's going on in our lives. We've needed that a long time. We need to let the, the amen shout again. So thank you for all the amens. Amen? Amen! <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Dave. I knew Dave was going to do that. Thank you. Well, let me finish up with this thought. Engaging, engaging God in worship is confusing at times. It's really confusing. Um, and I thought about this, and, and I thought, sort of like uh, when we go down the first Sunday in, in July, we get together with all of Phyllis's cl- uh, people, and literally in West Virginia, they call them all this clan, you know. So we're all together down there as a clan. And I thought, and it's a good clan. There's nothing wrong with it. But um, they have some weird people in their clan. <laughs> and that's after I joined it. <laughs> um, we, we get people up there at Progressive Field, you know. Um, and you call them uh, a crowd, right? It's a crowd of people up there watching them today. Well, out west, I guess. Um, call a church meeting together, and everybody calls it a congregation. Now, before I say the next thing to you, let me say this. Congregation is good. I'm glad we get together as a congregation every once in a while. But I hope we're not a congregation. (laughs) I hope we're not a congregation. um, Because a congregation usually are people that are driven by their own interests. I've been to those people, those churches, as a matter of fact. They're not centered on the mind of Christ. A congregation isn't. It's, it's about what we want and what we need. I think that when we gather together, not driven by our own interests right away, and um, centered on Christ, that we become what God wants us to be. And it's not a congregation. I think it's a community of faith. Amen? A community of faith. Um, that breaks down barriers and builds people up because of God's word, because of our, our tradition, because of our reason, because of our experience. It builds God's up, God's people up. Um, Isaac Watts said it the best. Let me finish with this. I'll praise my maker while I have breath. And when my voice is lost in death, I will praise shall employ my noble powers. My days of praise shall never be passed while life and thought and being last or immortality endures, I will praise the maker, my maker, while I have breath. Praise God. Throughout all of life, we need to praise God, our maker. Amen? Amen. So I hope we come to worship God, not as a congregation, but we come as that community of faith. Praise God. Let's pray together. God, thank you today for your love and your grace in our lives. Thank you for challenging us. 
to worship you through these four things of scripture and and, um, reason and and experience and tradition. Help us, uh, Lord God, to grab a hold of that. Grab a hold of that every time we walk through these doors that we become that congregation of praise, that congregation that uh, uh, is filled with faith and trust and belief in you and your word, and that we can then, Lord God, be that, that lighthouse that you want us to be, the lighthouse that challenges our every thought and our every, our every word, especially in the place where we're at right now. We pray this in your son's name and for his glory. Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, don't forget, if you want to stick around and go over with um, Glenn to the sanctuary, let's, let's stay together, okay? Um, let's, let's stand and sing um, our song one more time this month, um, Peace, My Peace. We'll do it with the choir helping us this time. <laughs>